Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So this week, I hope you've been walking away from sin, amen, and posturing yourself to be blessed. David said that we were blessed when we don't walk in the way of sinners. We walk away. We create distance, amen? And so I encourage you to go listen to that. And, and, and as many of you know, um, uh, two weeks ago, I wasn't feeling real great, and uh, I was a wimp, I guess, because Tari's got the same stuff, and he sung. I skipped. I, I, Tari, you, you the man. You, you, you just stronger than I am, I guess. I don't know. I was a wimp. I called in a replacement, and my dad, and he came and preached, but it put us a week behind on what we wanted to do, and so um, this morning, we're going to kind of do something uh, a different vein than from where we normally are. Next week, uh, we start a new series about relationships cause, called Knots, because some of us have knots, and some of us are have-nots, um, and we'll talk about the difference and lessons we need to learn there. So if you're visiting with us for the first time today as a guest, uh, as one of the people that we care so much about, uh, let me just say a, a few words to you this, this morning first. We're going to basically this morning uh, take this Sunday morning. We were going to do this last week, but uh, felt like I wanted, didn't want to kick the year off with a, this kind of message. Would, felt like the Lord had the word about posturing ourselves for victory. But this morning, we're basically going to be having a Passion Church family meeting. Um, it's what we're going to do. Uh, I am not going to attempt to preach a powerful, earth-shaking message. Uh, not that this is what we're going to talk about. It's not important. I'm just, it's just not one of those y'all shout me down kind of messages, you know, where I sweat and spit and all that kind of good stuff. And in the front row said, amen. And uh, <clears throat> so basically what we're going to do is attempt this morning to gather as brothers and sisters and family members and talk about family stuff. So, if this is your very first time to be with us, let me ask you to do me a favor. Uh, come back again. Give us a second shot. This is not what we normally do. It's not this kind of this uh, tenor or uh, direction on a regular basis. And so, give us another shot. Come back next week. Uh, because basically, this morning, what you're going to get is a glimpse behind the curtain of what uh, is going on at Passion last year and where we're headed this year. Uh, this is an important Sunday for us as regular folks here at Passion because it basically, I think, lays out a glimpse of where we've been, but it also, as important or maybe even more importantly, uh, helps us to kind of understand where we're headed. I, I want to share two truths with you this morning that I think are very important. Uh, when you begin to talk about a church, or in this particular case, because I want you to understand that a lot of times we box church up into a four-walled building, which that is not what passion is. We are part of the kingdom of God. And so we're talking about God's kingdom, and there are two truths, um, foundational truths that you must understand when you begin to dialogue about God's kingdom. Um, the, the first foundational truth is, is uh, according to Solomon, he, he makes a statement in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, that is an essential understanding for us to have when you begin to talk to talk about or become a part of what God is doing. He says basically that without vision, people will uh, cast off restraint or perish. You know what as without vision, 
uh, people perish. But the literal translation is that without vision, people cast off restraint. In another translation, I love this translation, it says it like this. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. That's, that's a pretty powerful uh, translation. So basically the foundational truth is this, is that no organization, no uh, representation of God's uh, presence here on earth, or for that matter, any organization at all, ever did anything great when there's no prevailing or underwriting vision to rally around. Without vision, what takes place is uh, it becomes a free-for-all. So that everyone does what's right in their own eyes and all the good ideas that people chase after, what it does is it ultimately leads to chaos because everybody's fighting for their own area, for their own territory, for their own vision. And how many of you know that dive vision, two visions, uh, is, is, is a mess? Anybody ever been a part of that where nobody, there's not one central vision and everybody, yeah, it's, a, it's chaos. Uh, and so... There's division there and there's lack of impact. The perfect example of the power of vision, although it comes in a negative form, still shows us some things. The perfect example of the power of vision is found in the Old Testament when you read the, the, the account of the Tower of Babel. You know that story. Uh, the, the, the mankind comes together and they, with one central vision, they say, let us build a tower all the way to heaven. And because there's vision there and there's one underwriting, prevailing vision, they begin to cooperate together to the point that, the, the, that God even recognizes and says that because these people are of one mind and they have one language, there's nothing they cannot accomplish. That is a powerful statement. God is basically revealing to us that when a group of people gather together and get in one mind, there is nothing they cannot accomplish because of the power of that vision. It's a powerful thing. So an overarching vision is paramount. Now, what took place at the Tower of Babel also teaches us a second truth, which in my opinion may be even a greater truth and one that Solomon also teaches. This truth involves, I believe, walking a high wire that we must learn to navigate with care and we must learn to be able to balance here. Because in uh, Solomon in Psalm chapter 127 says this statement that you know, and we've said this statement to you on a variety of occasions we we've read this to you here's this statement unless the lord builds the house the laborers labor in vain so vision is powerful but it is so powerful now catch this it, what he's trying to teach us here's the second foundational truth he's trying to teach us that vision is so powerful that if you connect yourself with a messed up self-serving evil vision it will accomplish things in your life but it will produce pain and it's dangerous so what Solomon is saying is that in order to avoid pain and to avoid to avoid being manipulated and all those things that come with being a part of a negative or a, an evil or a self-serving vision he's saying then what you must do is that vision becomes so powerful that you must make certain that you connect yourself with a organization, a place, a body, a part of the kingdom that is being built not by man, but by God. Because if you get a, yourself attached to a vision that's about men, then you will be manipulated and you will be hurt. 
But if you are attached to an organization, a body, a family, where the vision is being powered and empowered by God, while God is building the, the house, then you are blessed. Everybody with me? Those are the two foundational truths. Uh, it, it, so in other words, it is crucial for us to make sure that the vision that we continue to embrace as passion is directly from God. I believe one of the main ways that you can tell whether a house is being built by God is, is twofold. First, you can verifiably see that there are things that are being accomplished that are beyond human logic or reason. Only God can pull this off. When you're part of a, a, a family where you can say verifiably, man, if God hadn't done that, then there is no way we could have ever pulled that off on our own. At that moment, then you know God is in the mix and everything is okay. The second thing that you've got to do is you've got to watch to make sure that the accomplishments that are, are, are achieved are being done with being very careful to give God the credit. That it doesn't become about uh, um, when, when, it, when lives are being changed and situations are being altered. At that moment, when the, the focus shifts to giving glory to man or saying man did it, at that moment that you know that God is no longer building that house and you better be very careful. We've got to make sure that everything that's done is not for publicity's sake or promotion's sake but out of following the mandate of God's vision for the house that you connect yourself to. Okay, all that, man, that's not very exciting stuff, but it's stuff you got to know. It will, I, I promise you, it will save you pain in the long run if you've never done that. See, I, I think what I can do this morning, and we're going to try to attempt to do, is I can stand here and tell you that when we are um, uh, looking back over 2013, what I think I can tell you, not just 2013, but we're going to focus on that because it was so recent, but over the past six years, I can say to you that, that I, I think that what we've seen happen and what has been accomplished in our midst was for God's glory and God's glory alone. And we try to be very careful about that and make sure that he understood that. See, I stated that the second truth, there's this high wire balancing act. And here's why. When, when you begin to quote that if God doesn't build the house, then the laborers labor in vain. A lot of people will quote that foundational truth and then they will use it as an excuse not to work and not to serve and not to give. Because that's God's job. So here, here's what happens. We get this mindset where we come together and we want to sit and we want to enjoy and we pull, want to pull on the resources of the body and then we want to wait for God to build the place around us. Well, it got quiet. Y'all were with me until then. So that, and so what happens then is our mentality becomes, well, if, if there are no visitors coming and we don't see anybody saved Sunday after Sunday, that's not our fault. That's God's fault because God's supposed to build the house. And if I don't give squat, I mean, I haven't given one red cent all year long. I expect the lights to be on and I expect the heat to be on and I expect y'all to have free coffee. But I'm not giving you anything because if God is building this thing, he'll take care of all that. I told you, it's family discussion, right? Right, yeah, so, uh, I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds crazy. That anybody would have that mentality, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I have attended a church like that. I was on staff at a church like that, where people would come week after week, and they didn't want to do anything. 
They wanted everything ready for them. They wanted everything to be perfect for them. But they didn't want to give any money. They didn't want to serve. They didn't want to, they didn't want to work. If nobody was there, that was okay with them because their needs were being met. I literally had a gentleman come up to me. I, I did an opening one Sunday where I may have told you about this. I stood outside the building and I talked over a, a wireless microphone and did an illustration as the opening of the service where I was like, where can I find answers? Where can I find God? Where can I find healing? Where can I find help? And the response was they know where we are if they want it. I literally had a guy come up to me and say, they know where we are. If they really want that stuff bad enough, they know where we are. See, what happens is, is that we embrace this mentality, if we're not careful, that leads us to the concept of just take care of me and God will build the house. So the balancing is this. There, here's the balancing act. We continue to understand that God alone builds his house, but his method of building is using individuals like me. Everybody say me, because I'm not talking to your neighbor right now. I'm talking to you, because we like sitting sermons and say that he's talking to them. I hope my hope my wife is listening, because she needs to hear this. I hope my husband's. I hope that guy three rows. But I'm talking to you. The, the balancing act is that we recognize that God does in fact build his house. But he, the method, I don't know why, there are probably better methods he could have chosen because some of us aren't great at this. But, 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 but the method he chooses to use is us. That's what he chooses to use. So this is where it gets dicey because if we aren't diligent to stay on guard, then God's involvement can make us lazy. And on the other side, if we're not on guard, our involvement can make us proud. That is a balancing act that we will continue to have to navigate for the remainder of the, the existence of Passion Church in any form or fashion that we are trying to walk this high wire knowing that God has to be involved. But because He's involved, that doesn't give me an excuse to just come and sit and sour on Sunday mornings and expect the lights to be on and for me to get my coffee and if nobody smiles at me, I'll go home and leave. Because on the flip side of that, if, if only God is involved and he's not allowed to use us, then we're unbalanced. We recognize that while God is building it, he's using somebody just like me. It's the greatest privilege and honor that he actually wants to use jacked up people like us. I know some of y'all are probably qualified. But the rest of us recognize that we don't deserve this. He shouldn't even use us because we're messed up folks. But he chooses to anyway. See, we begin to sit back and do nothing, or if we're not careful, we forget that we're only channels and instruments by which the work gets done, and the end result is we begin to take credit for what God has accomplished. We're not going to do that here. Not going to do that here. So, as we talk about passion, I want to make sure that what we do is we give credit where credit is due. I, am extreme, I want you to understand that I am extremely first and foremost thankful that God has done what he's done. It is a miracle. Every time that you walk into this house, not the, not the physical building, although that's a miracle too, every time that you walk into this place and you gather with these people, you recognize that God has in fact worked a miracle because he's brought us together as family. That is a miracle. From every 
form, from every fashion, from every race, from every age. It is a miracle that the old folks sitting here and worship with the young folks, and the young folks sitting here and worship with the old folks, and the white folks sitting here and worship with the black folks, and the black folks sitting here and worship with the brown folks. That is a miracle. That doesn't happen everywhere. Doesn't happen. In fact, it doesn't happen in most places. So we should be thankful. God has been involved. And at the same time, I want you to know that I am extremely proud of each of you that have played a part in bringing about, with God's help, what he's brought to pass here. It doesn't happen without us. So let's take a moment. We're going to look back. What are some of the verifiable indications that God has been involved? But let me stop here first because I want to make sure we balance this correctly. I want to first stop and I want to ask anybody that has survived. Let me do it in two stages. If you are a, on the leadership team here at Passion, I want you to stand up right now. Come on, stand up. Don't be shy. They know who you are anyway. Your picture's in the bulletin. You can't kind of like escape, all right? Uh, all right, so you see the leaders. Now, if you have served in any role, usher, greeter, children's worker, uh, playing an instrument, I don't care. If you've served in any role, I want you to stand up right now. Any role. By the way, this doesn't happen in most churches either. I want you to give these folks a hand. You can be seated. See, I I recognize that often only the pastor gets the credit, but I want you to know that I am keenly aware of the fact that the lion's share of the work is done by people that you don't even know what they're doing. They show up early and leave late. When you go get your hamburger at Burger King, they're still in here cleaning up. They're still taking care of kids. They're still wrapping everything up. They get here long before you even get up. On, they get up, Some of them get here before I get up on Sunday mornings to make sure everything's happening. They deserve credit. So I want to stop and say thank you to those folks, all of our volunteers, all of our leaders. I think you guys are the best of the best of the best, and you deserve to be thanked because you're allowing God to work through you to establish the kingdom of God here, and I'm thankful. All right, so with all that said, now, ushers, if you would, I figured it was going to be better that rather than putting up on the screen, I figured it might be better for me to put something in your hands that you can take home and review at depth because some of these numbers are just numbers until you really start thinking about them. So they're going to pass these out quickly. Um, We're going to start on this page right here. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I hate it when somebody hands something out and then reads it to you. I am going to tell you a couple things off of here just to point some things out that I think are verifiable that God has been involved. Wait just a second until you get them. If you will, stay with me on this page right here. Don't flip it over to the back until, until we get there because I want you to stay encouraged. Don't, don't flip that thing over yet. I'll get there. I'll get there. Now all of you want see, I know how some of you are. If you'd told me what I just said, I'd been flipping it over and hoping you didn't see me flip it over. I know how you are. Cheaters. So everybody got them? Okay, let me just point out some things that I think are verifiable. Um, first and foremost, and will always be, I'm so thankful that God has allowed us to see at least 29 folks this past year get saved that we know of. That was the ones just here in service. That doesn't account any of the outreach we've done or any of that. 29, yeah, 
29 times the angels had to have a party in heaven because of what you guys helped us accomplish. I think that is outstanding. I believe we're going to see the day when that's in triple figures. Just believe that's that's. We've seen it in the past. We're going to see it again as we continue to pray and believe over our movers that God is going to do that. Uh, another thing I think is important, at the same time a little bit, a um, uh, little misrepresentation here. I don't think it's as accurate as it could be. We had at least 190 visitors, but we have to qualify that because those are the ones that were brave enough to sign the card because they knew we were, they actually believed us when we said we wouldn't stalk them after service. Uh, we know we had more than 190 because my mom has cooked thousands of cookies either y'all are stealing cookies from the green room <laughs> which is a possibility i understand or we had a ton more visitors than what what actually signed in but i think that's pretty cool we've seen a, we saw last year a 10.5 percent increase in attendance i think one of the uh, uh, most um, encouraging things to me we saw some some glimpses of what god is wanting to accomplish here when in um, March and August, we actually averaged, in August, it's weird, uh, Sunday after Sunday, our average was over 300 on a Sunday morning. And so God is doing some really cool things. Uh, you, you need to see what our young people and our kids are accomplishing. Our young people saw a 22% uh, growth this year on Wednesday nights. They're having 61 on average. Um, on a, man, that's a, that is an incredible thing. And so we're seeing a generation impacted week after week. And uh, I think this is pretty cool. Every week, 37 computers out there somewhere are logged in watching us. We have no clue how many people that is because six people could be sitting around the same computer watching. But we know they're watching. So, hey, y'all, we're glad you're here. Uh, so that's our encounter aspect where we encounter God. In our, under our equip aspect, I want you to understand that we had at least 175 of you a month that were involved in a pod, a place of discipleship, small groups where you're getting to know one another. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, you saw, see some of the other things that, that we did to equip folks. We were training ministers, training church planners. I think this is pretty incredible. We had almost 17,000 unique visitors on our website. That's pretty incredible. And when you recognize that over the course of the year, we had o over 2 million hits on our web, that is pretty substantial. I think one of the other things in the small print there is that we some of the messages that were preached here last year were downloaded over 3,000 times directly from our website. And it says that, that uh, we had um, 58,000 hits on our po podcast. You need to understand that is only through our website. That does not even include iTunes because they won't report to you how many times people listen on iTunes. So it's pretty incredible the, over, or the outreach that is taking place just off of our Sunday morning and Wednesday night services of people uh, uh, watching. And, and then we do this thing called truth casting where we archive all of our videos from the services. And last year alone, those were downloaded 2,100 times where people watched our services and watched what took place. So that's the equip part. Uh, we're going to expand some of that this year. The engage part. Um, uh, th to me, this is the crucial aspect because this engage is about reaching out into our community. Some incredible things took place. We, you know about passion sports. Most of you do. I think one of the things that is so substantial there is that you uh, were able to give over $10,000 towards training young people how to play with passion. 
You need to understand what's taking place in those passion sports practices. We've got men and women that are taking time with children that will never darken the doorway of a church that are leading them in prayer and teaching them things during devotional time that they would never get otherwise, and that happens because you support. And oh, by the way, the fifth grade team that we were concerned may not be as competitive this year are 7-0 and as of yesterday. So... It's not all about winning, but it's nice when you win. Just ask the seventh grader because we ain't winning squat, and it's painful. And uh, I'm appreciative of the guys and the ladies that take care of that. We supported three missionaries last year at $6,000. We helped two single moms in our family that were getting ready to be evicted. We kept them in their homes with their kids. That is an incredible thing that you've accomplished, and I appreciate it so much. We gave away $10,000 to people in need, whether it was to pay their light bills, to give them food, gas, clothes, whatever we needed to do when we could. We, as you know, uh, we assisted in our, uh, in the Moore tornado and uh, we, uh, the relief efforts there and we served over 30,000 meals. We gave away over a thousand hot dogs and chips and drinks at the schools and the apartments last year. We, we gave away 3,000 Easter eggs and prizes. I mean, some really cool stuff that you guys did. We purchased our uh, mobile field kitchen and we've just been involved in community outreach. And so God has done some incredible things last year. Uh, the balancing act now is to make sure that when we reflect over what all God has accomplished is that now we don't relax and say, well, we've done all we're supposed to do. No, we cannot coast. Let me make a statement to you. We must stay hungry and we must stay convinced that God has more for us as a family. I, I want you to understand where I'm at as your pastor. I am convinced of this single fact that our best days are not behind us. They're ahead of us. And because of that, we must walk boldly and confidently knowing. by That's part of the power of looking back. Is you look back and you see God's hand at work. So you know we're not going forward by ourselves. Because if we're going forward, if, if I'm just going forward with y'all. I ain't going. I love y'all, and I like you a lot. But if God doesn't go with us, I'm not interested in going. Because if we go on our own, we cannot stay where we go. But if God is leading us and directing us and he's with us, then not only can we obtain, we can maintain, and we can continue to grow more. And so I, I, I want you to understand that our best days are, are ahead of us, not behind us. That truth is driven home in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 through 19. It says this, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Check this out. Be present. We got we to gotta be present right now. Thankful for what he did last year. But present in the fact that he's here right now. Because then he goes on and he says, I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? See, the new thing doesn't diminish the importance or the impact of the old thing. But we're, we're just told to be careful not to live in the past and to continue going over old history. This simply reveals this truth. God has been and always will be a God of movement. And so we must not settle and ask God to stay with us, but rather we must remain mobile and agile enough to follow his glory and his blessing into the great things that he has for us beyond 2013. So what would God have us accomplish in 2014? As you look over what God did in 2013, 
What does that say to us about what God wants us to accomplish in 2014? As I begin to pray about this, this year that we are now uh, rapidly going through, I think there's like three, 265 days to Christmas or something like that. I don't know what the number is. but it's, Have you noticed the years are speeding up? It's ridiculous. Uh, um, they've already got like Halloween decorations up in Walmart. No, they don't. Um, as I begin to pray, God... What would you say to us in 2014? What do we need to accomplish and do? There were two words that rolled over in my spirit that I want to share with you. I don't even understand the implications entirely of these two words. I just know this is what I feel like God's mandate to us is. Two words that I felt like he said. Number one, relational. And two, responsive. If we are going to accomplish all that God has for us to accomplish in 2014, we must ramp up the relational side of things and the responsive side of things. Let me see if I can explain. When you boil that down into practical aspects of what God is calling us to do, I think there are five things that he has put out for us that then must become the emphasis so that you can accomplish relational and responsive. The first is um, intentional outside interaction with one another. I know you, like, love the back of each other's heads. Some of y'all are very familiar with the back of the person's head in front of you because you sit in the same place every week, and you have every crevice, every gray hair picked out. You know everything about the back of their head. But you need to understand that to be relational cannot be accomplished by staring at the back of somebody's head week after week. Can't get it done. Some of you don't even know the names of the people sitting in front of you. And they have been sitting in front of you for six months. And when I say, hey, hug on somebody, you turn and hug on them. Hey, brother, hi, sister, because that's your cop-out because you're not brave enough to even find out their names. Oh, shoot. Uh, so what I'm saying is that it is absolutely essential for you to connect in relationships. We can't call ourselves a family if you don't have relationship with family members. See, the beautiful thing about this is your natural family you didn't get to pick. And some of you would trade them in if you could because you got some goofy family members. You actually get to pick your family members. There are people around you that God has positioned here for you. You get to pick who those folks are. That doesn't just happen by coming to church on Sundays. Nor does it ever just happen. It has to be intentional. That means, listen to me carefully here, I, this is truth. That means that you cannot avoid outside interaction with one another and feel connected. It doesn't happen. You are never going to feel connected to this family if all you ever do is just show up on Sunday mornings for an hour and a half and never have any other interaction with the people in here. It will never happen happen y'all looking at me like I'm crazy it will never maybe if I say it louder because you know how preachers are if we say it louder it gets through better it will never happen because relationships have to be intentional it's almost um, comical to me at times uh, we've had folks come to us in the history of passion and say um, they, they, they start attending and then they fold it they slowly fade away and they disappear. And when you talk to them, 
and you start digging, what you discover is, is they have no other interaction with anybody in the church except on Sunday morning. They don't attend a small group. They don't serve on any team. They literally pull up in the parking lot week after week for service, and then they go home. They don't talk to anybody on the phone. They don't Facebook with anybody in the church. They have no interaction. And as you start digging, it becomes comical because what they will tell you, uh, they wouldn't get involved in a pod. They wouldn't start a pod. They declined every opportunity for interaction. And in some cases, they even refused interaction. And then when it's all said and done, this, was, this is the comical part to me, they will look at me or Julie and say, the church didn't meet my needs, so I'm leaving. You, my friend, are smoking crack. <laughs> just saying. There's nothing spiritual about that. You're just a crackhead. It's what you are. Because you don't have a clue in your head that it doesn't just happen. We literally have people that will look at us and say, I'm leaving because you didn't take care of my need. What need? I'm sorry. I don't have ESPN. I mean, I do have ESPN. I don't have ESP. I can't read your mind. And because you wouldn't get involved in anything, we have no way of knowing. Listen, we're called to do life together. We use a catchphrase about our pods, life together better. That is the reality in, in, in church family. The way that you feel connected is not by wearing the T-shirt. Your connection depends upon relationships, and those have to be intentional. And so if God is saying to us, we've got to be more relational in 2014, that has to become a priority in your life. And you may have to b break down some comfort barriers and ask people in front of you their names. And you may have to actually come to, like, the men's breakfast every once in a while, even though you don't like to be in small groups. And you may have to go to a pod, even though you don't know anybody there. You may actually have to start a pod. You may have to actually serve on a team. I might have to come to church 45 minutes early. Oh, no. Connection requires time and effort. The second thing that I know is, is, is that God is saying to us out of the responsive aspect is passion iglesia. I know that this is a response to the need in our community. You recognize that we are starting a Hispanic church next Sunday night here. It is in direct response to the fact that all around us, there is an influx of Hispanic folks, Spanish-speaking folks that need the gospel. And not only do they need the gospel, they need a Pentecostal version of the gospel because there are other churches in our community that have Hispanic ministries that have no emphasis on the Pentecostal side of things. There's a Baptist Hispanic church, got nothing against it, glad they're doing it. But there needs to be a, a Pentecostal reflection of the gospel. And we are starting that next Sunday night. You need to get involved. You don't speak Spanish. Welcome to the club. Taco, burrito, enchilada. That's about the, 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 the breadth of my Spanglish right there. When we went to Guatemala, I found out after being there for two weeks that I'd ask everybody. I, I led a whole bunch of people to the Lord, like 29 folks, at least I thought so. Until after the trip, I found out that I was asking them, do I need Jesus? <laughs> yes, see, see, you do. I got saved 29 times in Guatemala. Didn't even know it. But my ability or lack of ability to speak Spanish at all has nothing to do. 
just, just the way it is. Just the way it is. I, I spent an hour hanging banners up announcing that we were starting a church and then realized I did it in English, you idiot. It says beginning January 26th on Sunday nights. That, and I called Luis and I said, Luis, or I texted him, I said, Luis, I'm stupid. I put the banner up in English. And he said, don't worry, brother, don't worry, they'll get it. But if we think that Luis and Liliana can come in here on their own and have no ushers, no greeters, no sound, no children's workers, no security, any of that. And by the way, the folks that do that for you on Sunday morning don't need to be the ones necessarily to do that on Sunday night because they're already here before you and after you leave. We need some folks that aren't doing nothing. That ain't even good English, much less Spanish. I was going to try to say it in Spanish, and I was afraid what I'd say. <laughs> Nada. There you go. Some of y'all aren't doing anything, and this is a perfect opportunity. I'm not saying you're going to do it now till Jesus comes back, but you can help them get started. They're going to need help. There's a meeting next Saturday at 530, if I'm not mistaken, that you need to be a part of and get involved. This, the third thing that I know that is a response to need and for us to be responsive, and i got to hurry, is the Bears Club. We've had one Bears Club. It's a, it's a ministry that is designed specifically for people that have children with special needs. Um, how many of you are thankful for the quality ministry that our children and our young people receive on a, on a weekly basis? Amen. Andrew and his team do a powerful job on Sunday mornings to take care of our children and on Wednesday nights. Woody and Jesse do a phenomenal job with our teenagers and college students on, on Wednesday nights. Um, but I want you to stop and think a minute what it would be like if you were never able to take your kids out. Ever. To a safe place and get a break. That is literally what some families are dealing with and experiencing because of the special needs that their, children's have, their children have. And that is the heart of this ministry. We've only done it one, one month so far, and I've got two testimonials. There are a lot more. I want to read two of you. The first one is from Missy. She says, I just wanted to say thank you again for starting the Passions Bear Club. Aub the, the child's name is Aubrey. Aub um, Aubrey tr truly had such a good time last night. She loved Miss Karen and said everyone was really nice. And as soon as we got into the car, she made sure with me that she was going to be able to go back again next month. That made me smile, and I know she enjoyed it being around new kids. Here's another one. I want to say thank you for all that you did to prepare for this ministry. I truly think that having the open house prior to the main event made all the difference in the world for Joshua. Had it not been for open house, I really feel that the main event would have been much more difficult for both the volunteer and for Joshua. I do not think Joshua could have been paired with a more perfect volunteer. She was amazing with him, and to come back and find that he wasn't overly upset or anxious was a godsend for us. I am positive that has never happened in a new scenario like that with Joshua. For my husband and I, we have no family around who is willing to watch Joshua even for a couple of hours so that we can just go to a movie or out to a dinner alone. It is very hard to stay connected as a couple without a without that alone time and thanks to your ministry we have time to look forward to each month just to be able to reconnect and to breathe for an evening that is what's worth much more than money could ever hope to buy why are we doing bears club because of that right there 
so you need to be praying for that ministry and getting involved in that ministry. The third area is responsive as well. It's our disaster response team in our mobile field kitchen. I've taught you that it's easier to obtain than to maintain. We were able to purchase all of that stuff and get it ready. Now we have to deal with it. Now we have to get it ready and we have to staff it. The day's going to come when we're going to be called to operate that thing in outreach and in ministry and we need to be ready. And that's going to require giving and that's going to require service. Got to get involved. The next one is, um, and I'm almost done, I'll get out of your way. Not without a challenge, but I'll get out of your way. The next one is that this year I really felt like the Lord spoke to me and said that we need to go back and visit the prophetic. Some of you need to hear directly from God. I grew up um, in Pentecost all my life. I know there's some freaky stuff out there. Some of it gives God a really bad name. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God is still working. God is still speaking. And so what we've done is over the course of this year, at least three times, the first one, and man, this is going to be tough for some of y'all because y'all don't even, y'all, y'all just used to Sunday morning, and I recognize that. First one will be on a Thursday night, February the 6th. You need to be here, 7 o'clock. Children's will be provided. We, Julie and I are bringing in, over the course of this year, I hope three times, three different individuals that we trust. I'm just not going to let anybody walk up in here. I've done that before in a different environment. Never do it again. I'd take the mic away from him and say, you're an idiot. You ain't getting it back. I did. That was my responsibility as shepherd. I had to do it. And I will do that again. That's why this time we're bringing in people that we trust. I'm not bringing them in because they're fantastic speakers. I'm bringing them in because they will spend time with you around this altar and they will speak with the voice of God directly in your life. First one's February 6th. I'll tell you when the next one is. But guys and, and ladies too, I don't care. But I know the first three that I'm trying to get. We're going to bring them in. One's coming in February 6th. Where's he from, Kevin? Romania? He's from Romania. The next one uh, that I've got scheduled and we're just trying to work out the details is from Hawaii. His name's Greg Hood. He will read your mail and he will. Yes, he will. <laughs> you better pray up. No, never mind. Uh, and then. Then third one I'll tell about later. <laughs> He's a great guy. But I want you to be a part of those. You say, well, I've never been in that. I don't understand that. I didn't grow up Pentecostal. That kind of stuff scares me. That's why we're bringing these three guys in because they, they're not freaks. They're ordinary people that will do it with balance and integrity. They won't push you down or any of that stuff. We're going to see God and what God wants to say. I need you here on those nights. And last but not least is our new entry in our kids' building. Uh, one of the most prominent things we're going to do this year, and by the way, just because it's visible doesn't make it the most important. It's just that because it is visible, it says to our community that we care about them, and it says that we care about our children, is we're still in the process. We're dealing with the city now. It looks like we've finally gotten permission, the, the permits and everything we'll see. But I want you to flip this sheet of paper over. Because this is where we are. All you that cheated, I'll give a prayer here in a minute for cheaters. I want you to read that box on the left. It blew my mind. That when you look back over 2013 and all the things that I have listed for you that God has accomplished, that 56% of our congregation gave less than 1000 bucks last year. I'm not a math major. I hate math. But I can do 10%. 
And I want to tell you this, this, this morning that it is an incredible thing that God has accomplished what we've done this year with the level of giving we're at. And say to you that everything that I've listed to you that I think God is saying for us to accomplish, we cannot do and stay at that level of giving. I'm thankful that you gave. Um, but let me challenge you this morning. We've got to ramp some things up. And so what we've, we've mentioned this at the end of the year, I'm going to share it with you. We're asking you to begin to pray hard about a seed offering. Our ushers are coming right now, and they're going to hand you these, these cards, seed offering. It says that you need to turn them in by the last Sunday of January. We're going to extend that a, a week to the first week in February to give you the time, time to pray. Let me just be very upfront and honest with you about this new building project. I told you in the very beginning when we began to talk about it that if our level of giving stayed at present level, we could do this without even approaching you. That's not the case anymore. Uh, with the economic downturn in our, uh, in our society, that's just not the way it's going to work. It just can't work. So what we, rather than doing a capital campaign where we take the next three years and ask you to make all these pledges and all this stuff and spend every Sunday talking about that, we're not going to do that because that's not what we're about. You know that. We put very little emphasis on, on money around here. We just don't. But we got to have your help. When I called the bank after, the, uh, after we decided to do this building, they said they would finance it. About two months later, they backtracked on us a little bit. And what they said to me, and I'm going to throw a number out here that's going to freak some of you out because you don't think we can do this. I think we can, especially when you look at how our level of giving has been. They said to me that at Easter 2014, that we had to have $75,000 in cash in hand to pay down the debt from the first phase. The first phase is the, in, is the parking and the curbing and all that, the infrastructure, the drainage. There's no entry. There's no building. So we took a loan to do that first part. At Easter, we're supposed to get the second half of that loan, which will then actually come in and knock the whole build the entry and build the, the kids' building. It's all part of one package, but it's broken up into two parts. And what they said to me is they won't give us the second part unless we can pay our debt down. So if we don't come through with the $75,000, let me just tell you what that means so you'll understand completely. That means at Easter, they will be finished with the parking lot and all the drainage and curbing and all the stuff that we have to do to meet city code. And we will have the most beautiful parking lot out there with no way to get in the building. And you'll park your car out there and have to walk all the way around to come in this door. I don't want that to happen. I believe we can do this. And so how do we do this? Well, um, I want to challenge you. You're going to get your contribution statement just like we do every year for your tax purposes. You're going to get that sometime this week. And I want, when you get it, I want you to look at the total on that giving contribution, and I want you to multiply it times 10. And if you multiply it times 10, and it's what God has blessed you with last year total, then congratulations, you've been extremely faithful in your tithing. And I am so thankful for that. But if you multiply that bottom number by 10, and it's not what God gave you last year, let me just challenge you that that can't happen again. I'm, listen, you say, well, you just care about the building. No, I want you to be blessed. You're living under a curse. What if God would give you this year what you gave last year multiplied times 10? Just saying. Just saying. And so I want to challenge you that if you're already given 10%, then I want you to pray over this, this seed card and ask God, how much more do you want me to do? 
He may say nothing, I'm good with that. But he may say something. And if you didn't give 10% last year, then I want to challenge you. We need to take those that gave less than $1,000, and you need to move up a level, at least one level. Move up. And I believe that as we do this, then we will see that God is building his house through us, and we will see God accomplish what will be one of the most prominent things we do to our community because it will speak to them about what we're concerned about. Everybody understand where I'm at? We're going to take up these cards in two weeks so that we kind of have some concept of where we stand. And then we're going to ask you to actually bring your offering. We'll have special offering envelopes that look like, have the same graphics on it and everything that you will use on Easter. And what we think is going to happen, I believe this with all my heart, on Easter we're going to take up a $75,000 offering. And we're going to be able to walk into the bank and say, here it is, let's go. And by the end of the year, the entry will be done, and the building will be done, and we'll be able to do what God has accomplished, see what God has accomplished in our lives, all right? So we believe that we have this vision. Our vision is simply this, encounter, equip, engage. And it is essential for you to connect with that vision and invest in what God is building and establishing And so I want to challenge you this morning to see the vision, to embrace the vision, and do something, do something that will allow God to use you. Whether it be in one of these five things I've talked about or something I didn't even mention, God wants to use you, and he will establish his kingdom through us. And then we will in turn look back, and at the end of 2014, I'm going to stand up here, and I'm going to brag on the fact that God did what he did through you. Father, this morning I thank you for all that you've accomplished. We don't take for granted that you've been at work in our midst. I pray today that you would challenge us to find our place. And I pray that we would be very intentional about relationships this year. And we would develop friendships and family relationships with one another outside of Sunday morning. So that Sunday morning is simply benefited by our relationship with each other all week long. And for those that feel like they're not connected, I pray that you'd bring friends and family into their lives, and I pray that it would happen on an intentional level. God, we pray over all these different directions as we try to respond to the needs in our community. I pray that you would allow us to accomplish great things for your kingdom and for your namesake. God, I pray that you would challenge us in our giving so that we would accomplish your will and purpose in our life and be blessed. I bless these folks in the name of Jesus. I pray that the level of blessing would increase in their life. I pray for promotions and for jobs and for for financial breakthroughs in their life, not just so that things will be accomplished here, but so that they will sense the blessing that flows to them as they connect with one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Danny? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.